What's up, people? And thank you for checking out another edition of Morton's Law Podcast. As I record here on this Labor Day evening, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Morton's underscore law. I was pretty active Sunday night following the AEW pay-per-view, which we'll get into shortly. Just wow on that front. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at Morton's Law Podcast. And please, if you can, show some support by donating whatever you can. Anything would help greatly. And if you can't, I know times are difficult for many. So please spread the word of the show so many more can enjoy and listen to what you get to. Unless you're just a selfish prick and want me all to yourself. I don't know. Speaking of donating to the show, I wanted to send a major thank you to Tommy B for being kind enough to support with a monthly donation. Tommy's a force in my fantasy baseball league, and it was extremely nice of him to show some love financially. So again, thank you, Tommy. Speaking of fantasy baseball, I am in the final week of the regular season. I am clinging to the sixth seed as we enter play today on this Monday. And um, I just, I, I have to beat the two seed and that's hard because he crushed me the last time we played and this is it for me. I'm in the playoffs if I win, if not, although I, I if I win by a certain amount, I still got people behind me. So a lot has to happen for me to make the playoffs, but it, I'm, I'm in a good position, at least I can say that. Um, fantasy football is right here. Also, I have a big draft coming up later tonight on this Labor Day night here. Uh, so much to get into with that. I mean, I have four drafts in four days and, um, it's just, listen, I, I mentioned on the, the previous show that I was going to talk about strategies and stuff and such. But the, the problem with that is I'm in a league with so many people who listen to the show. People are then going to know my, <laughs> what I'm going to pick. So that's a bad, a bad idea. So I, I just can't like talk about fantasy pre-draft. I could talk about it after I draft. How's that? Because I'm like, I don't need people that know what I'm thinking. Because then I'd be like, yeah, that's a good idea. Because I've won, no joke, about 10 fantasy football championships. So I'm I'm a bit of a big deal. All right. Anyway, moving along. I do hope everyone had a great holiday weekend. Hopefully at some point you were drunk or at the very least tipsy and could escape this awful life that many are subjected to. Because to be honest, it's not really life that will disappoint you, but people definitely will. To be fair, I actually enjoyed a really nice barbecue on Saturday. So there was roughly six to eight hour period where I wasn't completely miserable. Had fun playing some amateur DJ with my Amazon music playlist. By the way, I am working on more DJ work to actually at one point play some live stuff, maybe on one of the social media outlets and eventually go to bars. So I do love to play all types of music as a DJ. Um, oh, I got an email last week after I did the show. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I, had to, I think I had told you how a couple of my YouTube videos got flagged for copyright infringement. In fact, WWE shockingly had issues with some of the small clips I had used with CM Punk and John Laurinaitis. And, um, you know, I guess with that, I wasn't, it was, the video wasn't pulled. But flagged means I guess you can't make money off that video now. No matter how many people look at it, so it is what it is. I'll have to be clever, more clever going forward, and not to get um, anything pulled. That's for sure. So with that said, I get an email from Anchor telling me that the open 
to last week's episode, which was Eminem Square Dance. I played just 27 seconds of his open with no lyrics, mind you. And I didn't know the rules. And in terms of like how long you could play, I thought a few seconds was okay. Maybe 27 is too long. I guess that's the case. So they warned me and told me I had to take it down. I haven't taken it down, nor have they pulled the song. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just leaving it there for now. So I don't know. That was just bizarre to me. I don't think Eminem personally would give a shit. <laughs> and I played 27 seconds of his song, especially considering I don't have, I don't know, whatever it is what it is. So um, uh, the only entertainment story I wanted to talk about uh, briefly this past week was was hilarious to me. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, if you don't know, was in a relationship with a, a girl, a young woman, um, for five years. And she turned 25 and he dumped her. And reportedly, I was unaware of this, he has a history of doing such. He just dumps women as soon as they turn 25. Now, while a lot of men would say that's gangster and just pimping, I mean, to be fair, I mean, let's say you meet your soulmate. And everything about her is perfect. She checks every box and she turns 25 and you're like, sorry, bitch, you got to go. I mean, that's just, that's just messed up even to me. I'm like, I don't know what, I, I don't know, but that's Leo. Hey, when you have all that money, you can do whatever you want and get away with it. All right. So we're going to come back on the other side. This show is going to be more wrestling centric. I, I may briefly talk sports at the end. I don't know, but a lot happened this weekend. That shocked the wrestling world. It was a great weekend for wrestling overall. And we're going to talk about AEW's all-out pay-per-view. We're going to talk about WWE's premium event, uh, Clash at the Castle, Morton's Law Podcast, back after this. Left. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. <laughs> And welcome back to Morton's Law Podcast. Listen, let's get right into it. This was crazy. Everything that went down this weekend, as I said before the break. So, All Out happened Sunday night in Chicago. A lot of storylines going into the show. And the problem with the show was this. Unfortunately, the lead right now should be the return of MJF who we later learned in the show was the Joker and will eventually challenge CM Punk now for the world title. That match is going to happen at some point. We're getting that. However, instead of that being the lead, the post-show media scrum stole the night courtesy another pipe bomb from CM Punk. He just went off on so many different things for those unaware of what was said, I'm going to play a little bit for you here as CM Punk went off on his former friend that we know in the business as Colt Cabana. And he says his real name here, Scott Colton, as well as going off on the Bucks, the elite Hangman Adam Page. There's a lot to cover here. So let's just hear a little bit from CM Punk. Why? I'm adult man and I decide not to be friends with somebody as nobody else's fucking business but my friends if I fall backwards 
unbridgeable catch of me. Scott Colton, I felt, never would have. My problem was I wanted to bring a guy with me to the top that did not want to see me at the top. Okay? You call it jealousy, you call it envy, whatever the fuck it is. My relationship with Scott Colton ended long before I paid all of his bills. I have every receipt. I have every invoice. I have every email. I have email where he says, and I quote, I agree to go our separate ways. I will get my own lawyer and you do not have to pay anymore. That's an email that I have. The only reason the public did not see is because when I finally had to counter sue him through discovery, we discovered he shared a bank account with his mother. That's a fact. And as soon as we discovered that fact and we subpoenaed old Marsha, he sent the email, oh, can we please drop all this? Now, it's 2022. I haven't been friends with this guy since at least 2014, late 2013. And the fact that I have to sit up here because we have irresponsible people who call themselves EVPs and couldn't fucking manage a target and they spread lies and bullshit and, and put into a media that I got somebody fired when I have fuck all to do with him, want nothing to do with him, do not care where he works, where he doesn't work, where he eats, where he sleeps. And the fact that I have to get up here and do this in 2022 is fucking embarrassing. And if y'all are at fault, fuck you. If you're not, I apologize. But what did I ever do in this world to go, to deserve an empty-headed fucking dumb fuck like Hangman Adam Page to go out on national television and fucking go into business for himself? For what? What did I do? Dave, what did I ever do? Didn't do a goddamn thing. Just wow. I mean... A lot said right there, and let's just get into it. So, for those that don't know the backstory of his former friend Colt Cabana, they obviously had some legal issues that I won't bore you with, but it ended up terminating the friendship as he just spoke about. And while he was in AEW, Colt Cabana was also there, although more in the background once Punk arrived on the scene. And recently, Cabana has been let go, and speculation started that, well, did Punk force him to get out? Did, did he tell Tony, him or me, pick one, you're out? And all of these rumors started to spread online, and we later learned, which I won't play for you, from Chris Jericho, who also was part of this media scrum, that... There, there was a mandatory meeting recently where Jericho talked to a lot of the locker room about letting stuff get out to the internet and just the wrestling journalists in general and keeping everything more in-house, which hasn't been the case. And as Punk just described there to you, he was talking specifically about the Young Bucks, who are the executive vice presidents of the company, along with Kenny Omega, and they have a habit of spreading information to the wrestling journalists, such as Dave Meltzer, which you just heard Punk uh, uh, just speak to him directly, said, Dave, do I deserve this? Now, I don't know how Dave feels about this. I haven't been online to hear what he has to say about this whole incident. And it's just, it's wild. And a lot of people are going at Punk, saying it was wrong for him to air this. 
And I disagree with that because clearly, and also the other thing real quick was that Hangman Adam Page had made a comment on air about CM Punk and the workplace and things that have been done and protecting AEW from CM Punk, which he said directly to his face. And again, this is all hearsay. Do I know if CM Punk got rid of Colt Cabana? I don't. He says he didn't. And here he comes across as an adult. The Young Bucks and, and Kenny Omega have been accused by many people in the industry of being just immature children, not being able to handle their roles in the company. And there have been many examples of them using their EVP status to benefit themselves and not other people. And this has been an ongoing thing. And a lot of people said that this would spiral out of control at some point, And it has officially become a circus in AEW. And Tony Khan has a lot on his plate now that he has to deal with. And, well, people say, oh, well, he disciplined Punk. I don't know. I mean, this is a big deal that he's going to... I don't know how he's going to be able to have a meeting with the three of them or the four of them and, and hash this out. I doubt it. I doubt Punk is going to care to even make... And then, oh, by the way... Uh, more to the story, apparently now it's being reported that there was, a, what in quotes, a melee, Dave Meltzer reported, that after Punk had s said what he said in the scrum, that he and the Young Bucks got into it. I don't know exactly what that means. I'm sure more will come out. There's a chance as you listen to this, you know more than I do. I haven't searched the internet for all that news and what actually transpired in that melee, if you will. But, um, listen, I respect what the young bucks do in the ring to a degree i am more of the fan that likes more wrestling than i do the acrobatics as i've gotten older i've expressed that on this show how as i've matured i see now what the psychology in a match and how to build a match and how to make the fans get into the match and and again as i said to you in the previous show the aew fan base for whatever reason and i can't tell them not to like that kind of match where sometimes there's no psychology at all. It's just move to move to move, uh, no sell, kick out, no sell, kick out. When I say no sell, it means a move was just hit and the guy gets back up as if he was never hit. So in essence, to the regular fan, the casual fan that doesn't know the inside of the wrestling business, he goes, wait a second, how'd that guy just get back up? He should be hurt. That's ridiculous. It makes the business look fake, which we know it is staged. The outcome is staged and so on and so forth. However, wrestling was at its best when everything looked real. It looked like a fight. You didn't know it was fake unless you were on the inside, so to speak. But I mean, look, so not to go off on a tangent on the Bucks, which I, I guess I just did, um, there's just been a lot of issues with them over the years in terms of how they play politics. And they did it with Ring of Honor. They did it with New Japan. They essentially told New Japan, well, we want to win the tag team titles. And mind you, the heavyweight tag team titles, when these two guys weigh roughly 190, and I'm being generous when I say 190, I don't believe they even weigh that much. Um, and they wanted to be the heavyweight tag team champions instead of the junior heavyweight tag team champions, which I believe is around that weight class. And um, New Japan, and it was, there was more demands apparently, and New Japan didn't think as highly of them as they did themselves. And as a result, 
they said, okay, well, goodbye. We don't want you here then if you don't want to come here and, and, and do what we tell you to do and you want all these crazy demands, well, goodbye. And it wasn't a big deal to New Japan. They, like, they didn't even think the Bucks were that big of a draw in terms of attendance and so on and so forth. But here in AEW, since the company started, listen, I'm not going to say they, didn't, they don't have an audience. They have an audience. Their fans love them. However, as, as, as the company has gone on, and we've seen teams like FTR come in, who are traditional wrestlers, now we've seen a little bit of a shift in power in terms of who fans root for. And a lot of people say online, listen, if, if you follow online, you know what I'm talking about. You get this. I'm talking to the audience out there who may listen to me and isn't privy to all this information. It, the online talk is that the Bucks, their act has gotten stale. And if you see the same moves over and over again with no meaning and no feeling and no motion and nothing mattering and guys just jumping back up after being hit with these ridiculous moves like a Canadian destroyer where you put a guy through a table or through a ladder, as we saw during the Joker uh, match, the, the ridiculous things that guys recover from. And, and then you'll hear people go, oh, it's adrenaline. It's like, well, how many times can a guy get an adrenaline rush? When he's been pile driven X amount of times in a match, his neck should probably be broken. If not, he can't get up again. And that's where it goes from the match just looking ridiculous after a while. You're like, okay, well, they've been doing this now for 25 minutes. These guys should be dead, but they're not. And that's just the psychology that gets lost in their matches versus an FTR match. Where, look, everybody is guilty of things that don't make sense. Everyone is. There's things that you can pick apart even in WWE with matches. But, so, back to this whole story. I mean, look, what do I think? I mean, CM Punk, should he be disciplined? No. I mean, (laughs) he's saying there's a lot of truth to what he's saying. And Hangman Adam Page doing what he did. I mean, look, we're going to find a lot more as we go forward. But the bottom line is CM Punk draws ratings. Okay? The second he came back, the ratings went over a million. Kenny Omega came back. The ratings didn't go over a million. All right. So Punk draws. He puts the fans in the seats. Sell out, sell out, sell out, sell out. A lot of that is him. And people can't deny that. The numbers are pro- there's proof. But th- this is absolutely wild. Everything that transpired here with him just going off like this. And I mean, look, I'm just, it's a wait and see now. It's a wait and see if people want to threaten to quit because I mean that that's what it was rumored I mean remember I came on the show and I told you that uh reportedly Punk wanted to quit before returning to the company based on all of the backstage shenanigans and all of the stuff that leaked out to the internet media and it now it comes across as legit I always say take the news with a grain of salt but apparently the story was 100% accurate like he was he really was that frustrated with everything that was going on behind the scenes that is continually leaked by people like the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Adam Page, and others. And it's just, it's not the way you should do business. When you talk about exposing the business or going into business for yourself, you have to protect the company. And it doesn't look like they were doing that either. So it's just, it's just wild how everything went down. And unfortunately, the show became secondary. Um, I didn't love the show. The show had moments, of course. I mean, ideally, look, 
I thought that the Jericho Brian Danielson match was was legit old school wrestling. It was good to see. Obviously, we have already seen Jericho don the Lionheart gear and wrestle in the previous match, um, but he looks better now doing this style. And the match was solid. I have no issues with the match. The finish, whatever, him cheating, of course. Now it's going to lead to eventually him in a Danny Daniel Garcia match. I imagine this he'll leave the faction. Uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society, but um, no issues there. The main event itself, the Punk Moxley match. I mean, look, we talked about this last week going in. How would they do this? Uh, Punk winning the title again as he did. Now what happens when he leaves Chicago? Will fans now turn on him? I don't know. I mean, it could be a little 50-50. Look, even even in, in the all-out um, main event that we just watched, the crowd started to cheer Moxley more than you would anticipate in Punk's hometown. So, um, it's a circus, but now will it draw more eyes? We're going to find that out Wednesday night. How many more people tune in now of those aware of what's going on in the internet world? Hey, I want to go see now what's going to happen. How did the show start? And again, back to the, the lead that got buried is that after all these months of MJF sitting at home, now he's back. I mean, he's sat at home since what, June? June. And now he's back. They played, listen, I'm not going to go into the whole detail of how he returned, but uh, he was eventually revealed as the joke. Look, he came out with the mask on and Stokely Hathaway took down the uh, the briefcase and gave it to somebody in a mask. We later learned after Punk won the title from Moxley. That match was okay, by the way. Nothing great. Um, I don't know how Moxley feels about all this. That's just that's just bizarre considering how well he's gotten over. Despite, I'm, I'm not the biggest Moxley fan. A lot of his matches are just eh to me. People go crazy about them. I don't get that. Okay, that's fun if you love Moxley. Um, but so then after Punk wins the title, everything goes black, and then we hear an audio a voicemail from Tony Khan talking to MJF saying that he wants to bring him back uh, let bygones be bygones you come back as the Joker and I'm going to pay you X amount of money which got bleeped Part of, you know, I mean again what's real what's a work we don't know and MJF comes out takes the uh, take the mask off and reveals himself of course the fans immediately were like it was kind of mixed at the at the start, and then everyone started chanting MJF to which, and he turned around and gave everybody the finger, just flipped everyone off. But um, I, I'm I think that that match will take place. And oh, by the way, they announced that the next pay per view, Full Gear, will be at the Prudential Center, Prudential Center, easy for me to say, at the Rock in um, New Jersey. So that will take place November nineteenth. And I would be shocked if that's not the main event, uh, meaning uh, CM Punk against MJF. Of course, in MJF's, I guess you could say backyard, he's from Long Island, so that's Jersey. A lot of people will travel, and he'll have some support in that match. But um, just just wild, and everything that transpired last night. Um, some of the other matches, uh, look, the acclaimed, uh, the crowd wanted it, and people talk about like Tony Khan giving the people what they want. And that's always the line of Excalibur. You got to give the people what they want. And the fans were begging for a title change last night, Sunday night, excuse me. And they didn't get it. 
And I was shocked. I was shocked that Swerve and, and Keith Lee retained the titles. They had multiple false finishes that made you think the acclaimed were going to win the titles. It looked like Bowens got legit hurt as he slipped off the ropes again. So who knows if the finish was changed during the match, knowing Bowens was hurt again. I don't know if that's possible to do that some to do that so fast on the fly. I didn't hear that portion of the media scrum if Tony revealed anything. So I apologize if you know more than me once again. But uh, the crowd definitely wanted to, to, to change the titles there. Now, I don't know if the Acclaimed will eventually win the titles, maybe in a rematch. Perhaps they do that at uh, the Arthur Ashe Stadium. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was... They really wanted it last night, the fans. And Tony disappointed them. So, I mean, I I don't know the full story about uh, Jungle Boy or at least well, Jack Perry as he was last night. Um, in terms of why they did what they did, somebody reported that he was injured and they went to that different finish and in terms of the match being over fast with luchasaurus attacking him inexplicably after uh recently uh, aligning with him again realigning after after the whole turn so a lot of things are bizarre right now in aw and don't make much sense and i don't know what's going on i, I mean tony could he be overwhelmed i mean look there's a lot of pressure right now not only with behind the scenes but when you turn on the other channel or channels, if you watch both shows, they're picking up steam. Okay. I said it last show. WWE is now competent. And the shows are being run the right the right way. Are, are, there, are there flaws in the shows? Of course. Is it perfect? No. But now you're getting wrestling. You're getting wrestling. And that's something we didn't get with the old man. And that's going to bring some people back. We talk about the fan base that has left. And we the 9 or 10 million that were watching on Monday nights 20 years ago. A lot of those people are my age. Mid-40s. And some of those people stopped watching. And now, if you get more entertaining characters. I'm not saying just pure wrestling is bringing people back to TV. That's not the case. I get that. Because if that were the case, as I've said on the show countless times ring of honor would have been the number one company in in america from 2004 to 2020 and that just wasn't the case because you need stars you need to build stars but the thing is wwe does have their stars and they're going to build more as time goes on so if you give the people the wrestling and you get the stars to i wouldn't say they have to be completely mainstream like austin and the rock and cena but the people that stopped watching wrestling that are in their mid-40s to, to 50s and even older than that, perhaps, are going to now go, hmm, let's let's tune in and see what's going on. And there's proof because the ratings have gone up. SmackDown and Raw are over 2 million viewers every show now for the last two weeks. And Raw's ratings went up again. What was it? I think 2.4 for the go-home show for Clash at the Castle. 2.4. That's crazy. I mean, I, I, they haven't had numbers like that in, in, in years. Well, okay, not maybe years. I should have done that research, but I didn't. But still, it's been a while. And SmackDown, what was it? Over 2 million. And again, that was a taped episode for their go-home version. It was a tape the week in advance, which I didn't know. I was curious how what day they taped that show. So everyone knew what was going on if you followed the internet. And they still did over 2 million people. 
and that was like a, a throwaway show in so many weeks. It was, yeah, sure, there was a build to the pay-per-view, but it wasn't a lot on the show. So the pressure coming for Tony Khan, and he sees that, and you know, it's 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 hard to keep your composure when everything around you is falling apart. And then you look at the other TV, uh, the other channels. I said, and now things are picking up over there. And then people, then you hear the rumblings of people leaving or wanting out and, you know, uh, contract tampering, which has also been discussed and was discussed in this media scrum to which Tony couldn't comment on about the potential tampering and the cease and desist to WWE. Stop talking to our people. And look, Alistair, ba- uh, excuse me, well, Malachi may again be Alistair Black because uh, reportedly, he asked for his release, and it looks like he was granted it because after he lost in the trios match against Sting and Darby Allen, uh, he apparently blew some kisses at the fans, and it looked like he's gone. So, and then I also heard, or read, I should say, heard. I don't have any insiders. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say stuff like that. I hate when people go, "I heard." Well, who's your insider? So I read that Andrade may have done the same thing. So I don't know if he's on the way out or if they're going to try to keep him. But everything is falling apart. Now, does that mean the company's... No, there's a lot of overreaction when I say falling apart. Is the company in trouble? No, of course not. That's ridiculous. People are saying, oh, AEW's in trouble. They're going to fold in the air. Stop. Calm down. Although, as I said in the group text, um, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. So you have to kind of keep the inmates from running the asylum to a minimum. Um, So Tony's going to have to put his big boy pants on and, and try to figure that out. Or hire someone who can assist him in that. And again, he's been really difficult in wanting to hire anyone other than Jim Cornette. Who, of course, wouldn't get into business with the Young Bucks. Or Kenny Omega. Not the biggest fan of those three. So I don't know where Tony Khan turns to for help backstage. But it's just just crazy time right now. And um, I'll switch gears now to... Because I don't know, there wasn't much to be fair at, at all out that really, again, you had your matches that were okay. Nothing stood out to me, though. I didn't love the show. I mentioned the Jericho match ready that, listen, the, the tag match with the Acclaim, where they didn't win the titles, it was it was really great because the fans were 100% into it. The other match the fans were into to a degree but didn't love but wanted a different person to win was the four-way for the women's title. The crowd is chanting and clapping for Jamie Hayter to win that match. And when they put the title on Tony Storm, you could hear a pin drop. There was almost zero reaction. So in two cases, Tony disappointed the fans. I'm not saying they're not going to turn on Tony and go watch Raw and SmackDown the next day. Because there are a lot of faithful AEW fans out there. But... There was, yeah, there was some groans in the crowd last night, Sunday night, excuse me. I don't know when you'll listen to this, so he's saying last night. Um, but um, it, was, it was a long show, four hours, we know that. I mean, Jim Ross had come out during the week and said these shows are way too long. I mean, other people will say, well, they don't do that many pay-per-views like WWE does. And, of course, the pre-show makes it five hours, so it's long. And... Um, just a lot more look Wednesday nights must see TV right we got to see how how the show starts how do they put MJF out there 
with Punk. A lot more stuff is going to break, I'm sure, over the next 72 hours before we get to Dynamite and what could happen. But yeah, that's uh, pretty much sums that up. So let's move over to Clash of the Castle. Because this show was really a spectacle. Because it was the first time WWE had been overseas in Europe, the United Kingdom, in 32 years since SummerSlam 90, when, of course, as they showed the video, which was really cool, uh, that Davey Boy Smith defeated Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title in a classic match, still arguably the greatest SummerSlam match of all time, as they said during the show. And uh, so having 62,000, as they announced, I don't care, paid or whatever, 62,000 were in the stadium. And the place was insane. It was insane from the jump. Um, the, the, the six women's match to start, Bailey, of course, the crowd hijacked it, you know, with the, with the typical serenading of Bailey. And the fact that she's a heel and still had to play it off as such was really cool to see because every time they would sing to her, she would tag out and they would boo because they wanted her in the ring most of the time, which was really funny to see. And then she would try to heal by by knocking someone off the, the apron just to get them to boo her. But they don't want to boo her. They love her there. They love her there. That was fun. And, um, you know, so th th was the show great? No, it was good. It was good. I feel like there was so much hype coming into the weekend. I don't want to say it was anybody disappointed. I mean, maybe the main event for me was the most disappointing in terms of this. I talked about this on the show last episode about Drew McIntyre being over with the fans and the short change that he got being the champion when he defeated Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania with the pandemic, no live crowd, ratings were dropping and they got to an all-time low, like 1.5. So he took the brunt of that and they took the title off of him in panic as Vince always does because he changed his mind a lot over the last decade, which hurt the company because he didn't stick with guys. Paul Heyman had a plan. Paul Heyman was running Raw to push guys for the future. We saw he was using Aleister Black. He brought Theory up from NXT. He had a plan to get guys over to build new stars. But as the numbers dropped, USA got a little testy with the numbers. Vince, of course, then reacts to that. And as I said, changes his mind nonstop. So they take the title off of Drew. And then he just goes into like back to mid-card status. And that wasn't fair to him. And now as they rebuild him, Triple H has done a phenomenal job rebuilding him as I thought they could have. Because there wasn't a lot of stench on the stuff he's done. They didn't. They never really buried him. They just stuck him in some bad matches, of course, with Jinder Mahal coming back. And some of that crap that we had to witness so they, they, they put him over to SmackDown. So he's, he has a fresh, a, a, lease on, a new lease on life, if you will. And, and a lot of that was good. And the build to him made sense in this match against Roman Reigns and the Bloodline. And the fans were behind him. So you go, okay, well, they just celebrated Roman's uh, two-year reign as WWE, now Universal World Champ, or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, I still feel like they need to unify the titles completely where they're just one belt. Yeah, simply one title for both shows. You just have to get rid of the brand split. It's long overdue. 
We don't need it anymore. You take your top guys and put them on each show, and then you mix everybody in like they did in the territory days. We don't need that much of a roster to get the shows to where they need to be. But we'll see what happens there. So let's just move over to the clash of the castle with the main event and how disappointed I was with the finish. From the standpoint, <clears throat> talking about Drew being over and how over Drew was in terms of that day with the fans. In that building with 62,000 people, Drew was beyond over and they were begging for a title change. And with everything I talked about already, did Drew deserve this title switch? I think he did. Because like I said, it wasn't his fault what happened the first time around. And they just celebrated Roman's two-year reign. So you could have done the switch and then eventually given it back to Roman in the States. Just so this crowd, because think about it, like I said, 32 years and you didn't give him anything in the night. I mean, if you go back to earlier in the night, you had Gunther against Sheamus and the fans wanted it again for the hometown hero and they didn't get it. They couldn't get it. Now, to be fair, I'm not a Sheamus guy, so it makes sense for Walter, I, I hate calling him Gunther, to remain the champion. That makes sense. And that was a really good match also, by the way. I didn't talk about that match. It was really good. I mean, people loved it. I mean, with all the chops, maybe a little bit too choppy for me, if you will, just because it just, you know, it, it was there was wrestling, don't get me wrong, unlike in the Kingston Ishii match, where you just had a thousand chops and it was more like a cover match. That's the thing. Okay, to be fair, I know people love Eddie Kingston. Listen, he's a great promo. He's as real as it gets. But in the ring, he's a cover wrestler. You hear about cover bands? He's a cover wrestler. Any match he's ever seen in his life from All Japan Pro Wrestling, he's taken all those moves. Uh, by the way, most of them he can't do. And <laughs> He's just really good at the chop, that's it. He's just a cover wrestler. All the moves he's taken from Masawa, Kawada, Kabashi, that's it. He can't do half of them, so he has to just chop people. And let's just be real about, about Eddie Kingston. People, you know, their fan base is going to love that match. I mean, Dave Meltzer loved the Gunther Sheamus match because it reminded him of the match that Kingston and Ishii had or the thousand matches we've seen before it that were 20 times better and now don't get the love that it, they, they should get because, of course, Meltzer has changed his star rating over the years. But I was just disappointed because that crowd wanted it. And, you know, if you go back to the States, here, okay, here's what they could have done. Here, here's my thought for the finish. Because the finish, okay, before we get to that, let me give you the actual finish. So as we knew going in, the bloodline was not there. No wise man, Paul Heyman, no Usos, no honorary Uso or Us, Sami Zayn, nobody there. So just Roman against Drew. Good storyline. Okay. So as the crowd, would, and there were a thousand finishes, by the way, false finishes, excuse me. A lot of false finishes. Maybe too much for me. I mean, you had, there were times where Drew was going to hit the finish, and then Roman hit the spear twice. Drew kicked out of the spear a couple times. 
and it just got a little bit too long for me and i know they yeah well okay fine i'm not gonna kill it so as it looks like drew's gonna go for the okay you get the ref bump which i forgot about the ref bump so the ref is down and you bring another ref in then all of a sudden there's a man in a hood and of course later revealed as solo sokoa the younger brother of the Usos, who's been on NXT and is now, of course, called up. So he distracts Drew, Roman hits the spear, wins the match. Everyone says that made sense. It's a storyline. Another member of the bloodline helped Roman when no one else was there. And I said, okay, I get it. I get it if you like it. Roman keeps the title, but just from the standpoint of Drew should get the title one more time, then you go to the States, whether the rematch happens at Survivor Series you could have given it right back to Roman. I mean, you could have even done not a screw finish, but you could have done where, let's say, uh, Drew gets the three count, and then we later learn on Raw or SmackDown rather that Roman had his foot under the ro- uh, under the rope and the ref missed it. So now there's an immediate rematch. If you want to put the title back on Roman that fast, which I don't want to do, I want to give Drew a chance with it. But of course, they have their plans, so I'm not going to knock what their plans may be because I don't know them yet and it will probably be decent at least. So my thought, hear me out for a second, for the finish, if you did a rematch, having Drew win in at Clash of the Castle, the crowd goes crazy, big moment that they get, you know, from when Davy Boy Smith won 32 years ago, beating Bret Hart, you get that same moment, that fans, they deserve it, they haven't seen it in how long, they deserve that moment. Instead, you gave them nothing. You gave them a Drew, uh, Tyson Fury coming into the ring and they sing a song that I, I I don't know. I mean, I know the song, you know, Miss America, whatever from, and I get it, but it, for the fans were dejected. You could see it. They, they kind of forced themselves to sing that song and get into it a little bit. Drew picked it up a little at the end and got them to go. But for me, they wanted that match. They wanted the, they wanted the title and they deserved it. They deserved it. So you put the title on Drew. You go back, Survivor Series, and now you have this scenario. You know the Usos are there. You know Sami Zayn is there and the Wise Man. So now everybody's there. You go to the finish. You could do another ref bump, however you want to do it, or no disqualification. And then you have this happen. So the Usos try to interfere. Drew turns into Super Cena, takes both them out. So now they're out of the equation. Here comes Sami Zayn, takes him out of the equation. And then, and then at that moment, when you think Drew is gonna retain the title and defeat Roman Reigns in the rematch, then you debut Solo Sokoa. Now Roman wins the title back and it makes even more sense to me. But you give Drew that rub, you give him that moment, that moment that he deserved in that stadium with 62,000 people. You still put the title back on Roman later on. So that that just bothers me. But you know, it was it was a good match. It was a good show. The weekend was was fun. So, you know, that's that's about it with that. So um I'm trying to Oh, there was one one thing I just remembered, which is really ridiculous. Listen, Michael Cole has done an okay job, and I'm not gonna tell you he's ever he's never I will never say Michael Cole is good at what he does. But he, I guess he's been better without Vince in his ear. And a lot of people have said that about him. And he did have one really just major faux pas during the, uh, the, uh, the main event. He said something about the sixth man. 
getting behind Drew McIntyre, like in the NBA, the sixth man. And I went, what? what? Has anyone ever heard that before if you're a sports fan? I know about the 12th man in the NFL, especially in Seattle. But has anyone ever heard the sixth man in the NBA? Yeah. I don't know if someone was in Michael's ear to tell him that because I don't know what kind of sports fan he is. But that sounded pretty bad. So, yeah. Um, real quick on the sports scene. Yankees still in first place. The lead is shrinking. Although they did beat Minnesota on Monday afternoon. Um, they also did come back on <clears throat> Sunday to beat the Rays. So hopefully they can hold off. Although, again, I don't see them going far in the playoffs. <clears throat> and now the Mets have the Braves up their arse again, if you will. The Braves do not go away. The Mets, I believe, what, lost two out of three to the, the Nationals over the weekend? And then the Braves, I believe, swept the Marlins. So now it's a one-game lead, which is like, wow, if you're a Mets fan, because... I mean, they're going to make the playoffs regardless with all the additional teams now making the postseason. So the Mets don't have to worry. Their, their record is is really good still, even if they don't win a division. But, of course, you want that division considering how well they've played all year. You don't want to have to play on the road. You don't want to have to play in the first round. And um, right now, with a full month left, anything could happen in that NL East. And, uh, of course, the NFL starts on Thursday, which is... Wow, it's crazy how fast that summer went. Ten weeks. Just thinking about going back to work also. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that wraps up another edition of Morton's Law Podcast. Thank you guys for checking me out. Again, uh, subscribe, YouTube channel. I'm going to get a video this week after, probably after Dynamite. I think I'm going to put up a, a video on Dynamite just to see how everything transpires there with the CM Punk and uh, MJF and how they do that. Um, a friend of mine, as I was recording this, by the way, a friend of mine, fan, a friend of the show also, asked about the potential of CM Punk and MJF at the Author Ash show. I don't think they would rush that. I do believe they would rather have that for uh, a pay-per-view. I think you want to you wanna get that good buy rate and build the storyline for the next eight weeks until we can have MJF and CM Punk at The Rock on pay-per-view. I don't think they're going to give the way on free TV. I could be wrong, but we'll see. So yeah, again, uh, subscribe to YouTube and uh, follow me on Twitter. Please donate if you can, or just spread the word of the show. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Morton's Love Podcast. Take care and God bless gay sex. Lord